I believe storytelling is one of the most powerful forces on the planet. And I think an admiration and being a student of the craft is, uh, is so important. Turn it up. You're listening to the Marketing Millennials Podcast. I'm Emily Ferguson. And I'm Daniel Murray. Get ready, because we're taking you on a journey with today's marketing leaders and tomorrow's top stars. Let's go! No BS, just a fun, unfiltered industry conversation with the game changers behind some of the coolest companies from around the globe. The one request we tell our guests. Stories or didn't happen. A big welcome to our marketing fam. Prepare to turn the f*** up. The Marketing Millennials are back. If you like what you're hearing, please hit subscribe or share with a friend. Today, I'm joined with the CMO of Asana, Dave King. We chat about how to become a CMO, marketing strategy, and some other cool marketing topics. I'm super excited for all of you to listen. Welcome to the show, Dave. Glad to have you. Hey, Daniel. Thanks for having me. And uh, such a treat to chat all things marketing. Cool. I want to dive in just to go over how did you get into marketing and what did it take to get up the marketing ranks? Like a lot of other marketers, I stumbled into the profession. I didn't even really know what marketing was when I was in school. I had taken a few marketing classes in undergrad, but was um, in school, worked with a team that was developing a startup. And as we started building out this, uh, this technology, we got to the point where it was time to go launch the product at a, uh, a conference in, in New York. And so that was the first time we had to decide what, you know, what roles each of us had. And I had taken a couple of marketing classes. I was the psychology major. So I drew the, the marketing role on that team. And I actually remember when, I, when we did that, I felt a little bit like, ah, oh, I know, you know, product sounds so cool and I, I get what sales does, but marketing is kind of kind of a little, a little fluffy and turned out to be the best thing that ever happened. It, I just think it's the most incredible profession and craft. And I'm so thrilled I stumbled into it. I ended up doing a short tour through investment banking and that in this highly quantitative field, you know, what I realized was... Um, Coming up with the, the insights and the quantitative, and that, that, was, that wasn't the hard part. The hard part was how you sold the idea, how you drove the change. And I think that's really at the root of marketing. And that's ultimately what, what led me into the craft. What do you say about like marketers like studying psychology instead of marketing? Because I, I have this like fascination that I wish I studied psychology in college instead of marketing. Marketing is really about connecting with humans. I think there is uh, psychologies at the heart of it. I think communications, being a student of history, student of language, student of sales. It, it's the most human profession that I can, I can think of. Yeah, I'm sure we'll chat a little bit more about the paths to marketing leaders, but I think what we're seeing more and more today is there's no linear path. The people who are becoming, you know, who are leading marketing functions often have, have had a diverse set of skills and interests that they, they bring with them to the role. Yeah, I want to kind of get into that. Like, what does it take to become a CMO and like what paths are there to get to a CMO? One of my mentors, Kendall Collins, who is the, the CMO of Salesforce, he used to say, it's, it's really three things. You got to know the marketing. You got to know the numbers. 
and you got to know people. I really love that. And it resonates with me in knowing the marketing. I still think marketing leader, this is a craft and storytelling is one of the most powerful forces on the planet. And I think an admiration and being a student of the craft is, uh, is so important. Typically, marketing leaders will come up through generally one of three paths. There's kind of one path that's, you know, they spend a lot of time in product marketing, really focused on that product market fit. Another is where they, you know, kind of come up through growth or demand gen. And then a third pillar is really communications and brand. And what you'll see is different brands have different needs. And oftentimes, the way the marketing organization gets structured is really, you know, what, what aligns with the needs of that company, of that market, of that brand. But while I kind of lay out these three paths, I think it's increasingly common uh, that people have done a tour of duty in lots of different areas. Maybe people have done sales. I, I did a couple of years in sales, and it was one of the most you know, helpful experiences to really have empathy for, for sales. So I think a diversity of skill sets is, incre- is becoming increasingly common. That's a great answer. I think because I always say that like marketing is like one of the the most like unscalable like professions because like you can't like say I want twenty graphic designers like sales like sales you can say like twenty yeah. you can it's so you can be like specialized in one thing and kind of broaden up from that specialty. Well, it's a great point, Daniel. Because and this is to the the point on know the people. Marketing is the most functionally diverse department of, of any role in any company. So if you just look at you know, the, your calendar from a day to day, you may go from a, a product discussion on an upcoming product launch to meeting with a communications team and PR agency to looking at design concepts and copywriting to having an in-depth discussion with ops and analytics about systems and tooling. It is incredibly functionally diverse. You know, we like to say that our diversity is our strength. It's where great creativity comes from. It's where great ideas come from. It's also really hard. An analytics team views the world differently than a content team. But when you can form these diverse cross-functional teams, I think that's where the magic happens. And this is why I think the role is just unbelievably exciting because of the diversity. What advice do you give to someone who becomes like a first-time CMO? Like what is like your number one piece of advice or a couple pieces of advice you would give to them? Well, the first piece of advice is you got to get really clear on what problem the company wants you to solve. And that sounds really simple. I will say that every CEO, every board of directors knows what problem they want marketing to solve, but they often have a very difficult time articulating it or at least articulating it in language that us as marketers can understand. So for example, when I uh, came into uh, to Asana, our founders, um, Dustin and JR, had this incredible vision that, uh, hey, every team in the world is lacking clarity and they're going to need a platform to um, figure out who's doing what, when are they doing it. And he said, we know that this is going to happen. We know people have this need, but we have no idea how to name it, how to articulate it, how to convince people. So I said, okay, number one problem is a positioning problem. Number two was uh, said, hey, we think teams everywhere should have access to this. So the number two problem for us was how do we reach them? How do we drive that, that growth through our, our freemium you know, model? Um, and then number three was, um, hey, we really prioritize having a highly engaged team. And at the time, the marketing team was, you know, was 
did not have similar levels of engagement as the rest of the company. And so you go, okay, those are the three priorities. But oftentimes I find marketing leaders come in and they say, okay, I know I need to generate pipeline or I know I need to generate, but that may not be the biggest problem that the company needs to solve. So number one is getting, getting real clarity on um, what business problem you know, marketing needs to solve. Number two is uh, you've got to know, you have to know your audience and your customer, not just on an academic level. Great to pour over the data, great to pour over the market research studies. You have to know them personally. When I joined, I set out to do 30, meet 30 customers in 30 days. And I think it's, it, it's so important to get out and talk to them and experience their pain, what they love. Yeah, so I mean, those are, those are kind of a couple of quick pieces of advice. And of course, there's a lot more on structuring the, the team and so forth. Yeah, I want to dive into that. So you became like the, the, the CMO of Asana. Like, how did you go about like thinking about like the marketing strategy then? Like, okay, you know, knew that it was a positioning problem. You knew you had to do build like a world-class team. Like, how did you go and turn this into a strategy? Yeah, well, the strategy starts by getting really clear on what problem you need to solve. And so problem clarity is kind of the first step. Laying out, you know, what's the, the mission and vision for the company, for the organization, and then, okay, what problems do we need to solve? And this marketing strategy, there's books written on it. It's, you know, you can make it as complicated as you want. But I think at its core, it's really about answering a couple of questions. First is, um, who are we targeting? You know, getting really specific, who is the, the audience? And even big, mature companies, I think, often lose sight of that clarity of who is it that we are actually talking to and that we're actually reaching. Second is, is what are we selling? And you're always selling more than just a product. What is the transformation? What is the benefit? What are we, what's their current reality and where is the promised land that we can take them to? So what are we, what are we selling them? And then third is how and where will we reach them? And so that's what we call our marketing playbook which is our, our strategy of, uh, of how we do that. The key thing is that this gets, this gets developed by cross-functional teams. There's other organizations that will kind of, you know, the, the top executives set the, the objectives and then cascade them down. That's not the way that we work. We get the people who are closest to the problem to discuss the solution. Those end up getting turned into these objectives. And then ultimately that uh, informs our marketing plan. For CMO, like what stakeholders are like the ones that you develop like the closest relationships with? What part of the businesses are you like? Do CMOs have to hang out with a lot? Because I think people underestimate like it's not only like the marketing team; it's a big relationship building role. Yeah, I'm glad you raised that because you know if you watch old uh, TV shows about marketing, it was you know the marketing department's responsible for awareness and brand presence, and that's it. And I think it's really changed to where marketing is, uh, is responsible for driving business performance, not just leads and pipeline, but increasingly revenue, being accountable to revenue and even ongoing customer engagement. So there are very few initiatives that we do now that aren't heavily cross-functional. Obviously, the, the sales and marketing relationship is a, is a sacred bond. I just... Uh, and I... I'm so fortunate. I work with one of the best sales leaders in our industry. And that being on the same page and connected is, uh, is so critical there. Secondly is with product. 
you know, it's so important that the product delivers on the brand promise and vice versa. So those are really critical. And then being close to the customer. I think we've all seen marketing that just feels out of touch with the reality of the customer. So being close to the customer success team and the customers themselves is really critical. The theme is everything we do is cross-functional and it's very rare to hop into a meeting or work on a project team of only marketers these days. Yeah, that's awesome. Like once you have like this overarching strategy that's cross-functional and everything, how do you go about like creating like the goals for your team and how do you set about it? Do you do it quarterly? Do you do it every six months? Like what is like how your goal is set up and then how do you make sure like your key like people, your direct reports trickle down to the team? Yeah, well, this is an exciting frontier and I think a huge opportunity for our craft and our, our profession. The old way that is still heavily used is uh, you develop this beautiful marketing strategy and plan and you put it into a PowerPoint deck. A beautifully designed, thoughtfully laid out, lots of uh, thought and analysis that goes into this and you share it with people. And then it sits in the proverbial desk drawer only to become outdated, you know, a day after it's published because, you know, the realities of the market change and you have to adapt and evolve. There was a, uh, a great fashion brand that all of us, you know, probably love their products. This was kind of their process. And in order to keep up with the, uh, you know, what's going on day to day, they had a spreadsheet that they affectionately referred to as the beast. And there'd be a conference call every day to update the spreadsheet to just track what was going on in market and how it was progressing towards goals. And it's just crazy. So we've done a study that found that 60% of knowledge workers' days is spent not on their craft, but on work about work. This busy work of just coordinating spreadsheets and trying to figure out uh, who's doing what by when. So Modern marketing orgs now are going, hey, let's get, let's get that thing out of the PowerPoint deck and let's get it into a system that you can, uh, that you can track and manage. We use Asana, uh, of course, it's our, our product. So we'll take these marketing strategies and we, we put goals against them. Um, we have an annual plan that we break it into half-year increments as far as big goals. For each strategy, there's a set of you know, goals and metrics for each one. Now, every individual on the team sets their own personal goals, one to three goals per person, and they ladder them up in the product. They directly connect them to the company and the team goals. So it's really important that everybody knows who's doing what, when are they doing it, and how does their work connect to the strategy. And getting it out of spreadsheets and status meetings and into something uh, that everybody has visibility into. I love that because we actually, and this is not even a, a coordinated plug, but we actually do Susana too for our like marketing goals too. And then for my team, I run marketing ops. I take Asana and make it into like two week sprints because I had to take like the other goal and then trickle it down to like sprints. Um, so that's like another layer that's lower, but that makes so much sense because like I take whatever the VP of marketing takes and I put it into my goals and then I take my goals and put them into sprints for my team. Which oh, is, I love that. I didn't know that. There are no shortage of good ideas for marketers to work on. The real important question is, is this driving to our goals and to our strategy? 
you know, we developed these, uh, these goals and the marketing plan that you know, shows up in the campaign calendar. And, and we share it with sales. We share it with product. We share it with the whole company. And that way, when somebody comes and says, I got a great idea for a random act of marketing that you could do, we say, love that idea. Doesn't connect with the, the goals and the strategy. And so uh, it makes it really easy to prioritize what needs to get done and, and what's a nice to have. I'm interested to dive into like what your marketing mix is. Like, what do you like, what like channels do you see that are old mm-hmm. and tried and true channels and what channels are like brand new channels that you've seen some, <laughs> some success in? Yeah, we have a really cool business model. It's a hybrid go-to-market model where we allow anybody to sign up for the product for free. And so we've got millions of teams using the product in 190 countries. Part of our business acts very much like a consumer business. It's self-serve. We make it really easy to like, try, and buy all online. For that part of the business, it's really about, you know, it's about content, uh, content that's useful and, and helpful that also happens to be SEO rich. It's a lot about community. More people hear about Asana from a friend or colleague than they do from seeing any of our advertising. So, you know, we're very proud of our, of our advertising and our marketing efforts, but really the key growth driver is people like you having a great experience with the product and telling a friend about it. So we have a big community and engagement marketing team that just says, hey, how can we help the community? How can we help them connect and share with one another? And that, that grows our business. The other half of our business is really on serving larger enterprises. And this is the more traditional SaaS portion of the business. But what's so striking there is that while these are large enterprises versus small teams, they're still people. And I think what we're really seeing, particularly in the time of COVID, is that desire for connection, for community, for useful content and is sharing best practices that's universal. And so that's an area we've invested a lot in, you know, even during this kind of remote time. What is something like surprising that you, like that you just tested that worked during this time or something that you discovered during the last, like during the COVID time period, like what strategy or tactic that you employed? It could have been what you just said, the power of content and connecting the user community, but I'm just interested, like, what is the most like, surprising thing? Because a lot of things changed in marketing in the last, like, 12 months. Marketing is, uh, is still in the early stages of its craft, which I find so exciting. What worked last year doesn't necessarily work this year and won't work next year. The profession's dynamic in general. And then the last 12 months have been, you know, have really been transformative. I'll give you a, an example that inspired me. And then I'll, I'll share kind of one that, that we did at Asana. I do think the crises like COVID is when brands reveal their true values. And Airbnb, I thought, was one of the best examples of that. The year before COVID, they spent an incredible amount on performance-based advertising. The pandemic hit and 75% of their business was cut overnight. I had booked a, a cabin for my kids' spring break. I was one of their customers. And they made the decision during the pandemic to refund at their expense everybody who had booked to stay with them. They could no longer travel due to COVID. There was no guarantee their business was going to come back, but they said prioritizing the customer and their hosts is number one priority. 
they showed kind of similar levels of grace and how when they had to make cuts and transition team members. So I think that commitment to those brand values and putting the customer first, even without any marketing advertising dollars, help them rebound, you know, in their business. Things that have happened, that worked for us, we had uh, we had over 200 live events planned at the time of COVID. And overnight, we had to cut every single one of them. We had to convert them to these online experiences and completely reimagine how they were designed. Shorter format, more interactive, more engaging, more community-led. We ended up exceeding our initial target for events and attendance, even though we never hosted a live event during COVID. So that need for connection is still here and is something that, frankly, had surprised me. Yeah, that's awesome. I think like even with this um, this new app Clubhouse, like exploding the if you haven't heard about it, but it's like this new audio drop in chat, and it's like it's a, just got a billion dollar valuation and just started like literally, and it was grassroots, like bring influencers on the platform and then invite only, kind of like the Facebook old model when they had universities. But like I think the reason why it's working is because people haven't got the chance to like have human connection for a while so it's like they get to meet people from all over the world people that they're interested in and chat and i think like that's the reason why it's becoming like such a sensation out there right now um yeah that's a great example and there's so many new channels new media formats new opportunities to engage i think it's a really exciting time for marketing and why what i love whether you know we're we're doing audio advertising on podcasts, whether we're doing YouTube, whether we're you know, focused on review sites or in just creating our own you know, academies and curriculum. People are really craving connection and they're craving education to help them be better at their jobs. And I think as marketers, we need to think of ourselves as um, we're here to serve the community. We're here to educate. We're here to inspire. We're not here to drive SEO rankings. We're not here to drive clickbait. What's really encouraging is this return to quality is also driving performance and results. And I think it's a great thing. Yeah, I mean, that is key. I mean, I like that the old sense of like having to drive 10,000 leads to hit a goal is like now we have, it's going back to like, how could you create that one-to-one connection with a human being? Um, which is like the brands that are seeing this are succeeding. The brands who are still trying to like shove things down people's throats are, are, are just going to slowly fade away in my opinion. But since marketing is ever changing, how do you stay like cutting edge and sharp and in, in your role? The implication of your question is that I'm, I'm cutting edge and smart. So I thank you, Daniel, for, uh, for that. <laughs> It's so dynamic. It's ever-changing. I think the key is being intellectually curious. My teammates are some of the best marketers around. I have this big belief that uh, as a marketer, your job is to you have to hire people who are better at their craft than you are. And that is certainly the case for, for our team. So I have the distinction of um, being the least capable marketer on my team, and it's one that I embrace uh, willingly. So really learning from my teammates. The other thing is, like I said, marketing is about human nature. While there's a lot that's changed in the channel, there's a lot that's changed with technology, there's not a lot that's changed with the way that humans behave. I read a lot on history. I read social movements. I read a lot about the arts. I'm really inspired by creators, the folks at Pixar, people who are creating plays, people, writers. So I try to spend a lot of time 
reading them. I just finished The Science of Storytelling, an incredible book. So lots changing, but a lot doesn't change. So I tend to focus on the stuff that doesn't change much. Besides that book, it's like what books have inspired you in your marketing career? I'm just interested to see like what what are books, marketing books or like books that like you said that are social movements and stuff like that, that have inspired you to become like a better marketer. Yeah, well, I think there's a, a bunch from history. So whether it was uh, studying uh, uh, the Mongols and how that movement spread to Hardcore History is a podcast that is, has both incredible storytelling and deep human insights. There's a few good marketing texts like Positioning is one of the canonical books on uh, marketing. I also love How Brands Grow is kind of the, uh, the exact opposite of positioning, but I think taken together, both have a lot of truth in them. I think a theme is um, intellectual curiosity. Do you think that like where your location for Asana and stuff like that and all like the innovative people helps you stay innovative? Like if you were to say like in a different location, do you think that would have changed like your like innovative spark and creativity? Because one of my friends, Alan Gannett, wrote this book called The Creative Curve. And he he basically says like, is your like close surroundings and the people, I mean, COVID kind of took down a little bit of these walls because we can like connect with a CMO like across the country. But like, for example, like you're not going to get far in like the movie industry if you don't go to like LA and be in that community and like learn from the community. Like that's one of these things like New York is an example too. Like what are your thoughts about like being in like a certain community to like that grows your creativity and inspiration? Yeah. Well, there's a book on how innovation works which I loved. And uh, Jeffrey West from the Santa Fe who wrote a piece on, uh, on how cities thrive. The theme of innovation is diversity and density. And, and it's the collision of ideas. Now, the exciting thing is I don't, it doesn't have to happen in a physical space anymore. The podcast that you're hosting is creating opportunities for diverse thinkers to converge on ideas regardless of where they are. So I think the while physical presence is still important, I think the exciting thing about the internet, the, the exciting thing about team collaboration is you can bring that diversity and density together anywhere. One other thing I want to say is regarding inspiration and just like looking at what are some like top like SaaS brands that you look to as like doing great stuff and why do you think besides asana of course like uh, what are some good SaaS brands that you look for inspiration to each of the SaaS brands there are things that they do do well that we can we can learn from i tend to find even more inspiration from companies outside of SaaS, so the b2c's of the world one that i think is really inspiring and i would consider it a SaaS company is peloton i think they when you have 90,000 people tuning in to watch a person ride a stationary bicycle in their apartment in New York City, you know that you've tapped into a, to a movement, you've, you've tapped into a purpose. I think they've built a really incredible brand that is based off of content and, and connection. From the SaaS world, I still think um, companies like Salesforce, Salesforce has done an incredible job at making their, turning their customer into a hero. And when you show up at their events and experiences, you feel that, uh, that hero's transformation. Every brand has uh, something to really admire. 
Kip and the team at HubSpot, I think have just built, they've really set the standard on, on content and, and, and organic. Um, Shopify with their product innovation has been really amazing. So something to learn from, from everyone. I think that I find really interesting and like a key topic that I'm finding in like businesses that are becoming more cutting edge in B2B is that they're adopting this like B2C model. I think like not a, like, I think we, this stigma that B2B is boring as like starting to go. I think Asana does it great and it does it in its product and it does it all. And like, it makes it like, it is a B2B, B2C feel for a B2B company. Like, what do you think about like this transformation of like more companies adopting B2C? Because B2C, obviously, the, the reason why it works is because you're connecting to a consumer and you don't think of them as a business. Yeah. And, and that's really at the heart of marketing is connecting with individuals, with humans. And what's exciting is that now your customers are more connected to people than ever before. So the experience that they get is they're going to tell people about it on a review site, in person. And so if you can deliver that great experience that inspires them, helps them, that is remarkable, it's also good for business. So I think it's a, it's a really positive trend and one that I think we're going to see continue for a long time. One question I had is how, as a marketing leader, are you like dealing with like burnout during COVID for your team? Like, cause this is a big issue that's going through a lot of like brands right now. This is a really big issue. And we just completed a global study of 13,000 knowledge workers around the world. The results of this, and this was a study on how people were spending their, their time and, and their feelings about uh, work and life in, during COVID. And the results were pretty terrifying. 60% of people's time is now spent coordinating work rather than, you know, than doing the craft. So it's busy work. People are working longer hours during COVID, on average, an hour longer per day. One in four deadlines are missed. Seven in 10 experienced burnout in 2020. There's a pandemic health crisis. I think there's also a a mental health and a work-life balance crisis that needs to be talked about. A lot of people also switch jobs. 80% of people who started a new job during the pandemic experience imposter syndrome. So that is a, that's just a huge amount, uh, you know, that's an alarming statistic. We really feel like getting clarity on um, who's doing what, when are they doing it? What are expectations? What does success look like is more important now than ever. So having clear goals as well as a really healthy, you know, lifestyle by taking care of having breaks having a mandatory company holidays. I don't think anybody's cracked the code, but it's, it is a problem that really warrants a lot of attention. Yeah, I agree. I mean, even my company and I hear a lot of marketers right now there, everybody's trying to combat this burnout scenario because obviously like there's actually an interesting study that my boss actually brought up to me that he said that I think it was like 60% of people like actually enjoy miss their commute because it was like a break that they get a mental break that they had from going to the office and it was like the one time they actually can have like a mental break from home and office so they actually like miss the commute just because it was like that mental break so i could see like that if people are missing commutes like you could see like that actually is a, a crisis yeah i have three kids who are doing homeschool at home 
It's chaotic at home. I've noticed I, I put on uh, weight because I'm not out with my regular exercise routine and, and commute. And when your home is your office, it's really easy for those hours to stretch. And so it's really important to put in intentional breaks throughout the day to close the laptop at the end of the day, to have things like walk and talks to promote health and to be checking in with uh, teammates and communicating your needs and uh, vice versa. But uh, yeah, this is, it's a challenging time. One question I, I do ask all guests on this podcast is what do you think most marketers are doing wrong today? Flipping like the switch of like what they're doing right, what are they doing wrong? Well, if marketers aren't doing things wrong, then they aren't pushing the envelope. So you know, we, we like to say you should be doing things wrong all the time. Just learn from them. There's a couple of evolutions that our craft has gone through. If I go back a few years ago, it was all about content and content and creative and just the volume of it. I think most recently we've gone through this really data-driven, performance, growth-minded era in marketing, which has been terrific. And it's given marketing a seat at the table. We are driving growth through the scientific method, through experimentation, through greater tooling. And that is uh, terrific. A shadow side of that is in some areas, we've lost sight of the fundamentals. We've lost sight of intuition, uh, which is important to balance with that. But now I think we're in this third frontier, which is all about the marketing process. You know, we as marketers, we like to, we like to focus on the channel. Uh, we like to focus on the creative or the content. We often don't think about operations. You know, Apple... People love to look at Apple as a uh, product innovator and as an incredible brand. Really, Apple's an incredible supply chain and operations. Tim Cook is a supply chain guy. And increasingly, marketing, we are having to operate at a scale we've never operated at before. The volume of channels, the volume of creative that we need to produce, the agility is growing exponentially. And optimizing the channel, I like to say, is kind of you know, it's, you're moving, you're optimizing the pennies, optimizing your process is where you're optimizing the dollars. So I think you're going to see in marketing more ops leaders, marketing ops leaders, program leaders, agile leaders coming into roles of leadership because the complexity and the speed at which the organizations need to operate is just, is growing so quickly. I mean, as a marketing ops guy, I love to hear it. So um, that's awesome. I, I agree with that because I, as a marketing ops person, like I not only have to know all channels, I have to know all data, but I also like have to know like the people, pro like the buyer journey and how they think. So it's like, I kind of have to know everything that's going on in marketing at all time to be successful. Absolutely. And, you know, in marketing ops, a lot of time, you know, in the past people thought about it, oh, it's the, it's the tech and the data and the tooling, but how people use that tech and data to, and tooling in the process, especially now that every major initiative is cross-functional in nature, is really critical. Well, I want to give you one, close this off and give you one, like a couple minutes or minute to just drop anything you want to drop on the podcast that you want the audience to know or hear about or anything about Asana or anything. Give you the floor. Well, thanks. Well, first, I mean, I'm just so glad that there's uh, the next generation of uh, people who are taking control of their careers. They're inspired about the craft of marketing. 
I think it's a noble craft and uh, I think it's just one of the best professions to go into. So kudos to everyone for getting smart on the topic and you'll set the new standard. We would love for those, for many of you to come, uh, come our way to Asana. We're hiring and uh, looking for those problem solvers and storytellers that want to help uh, teams work together. And then lastly, um, you know, Asana is heavily used by marketing teams. If you're, you're one of those teams that is still reliant on the spreadsheet or the status meeting, there's a cure. You can do better. Your team can move faster. You can, you can spend less time on the work about work and you can do it for free. So you can sign up for Asana and help your marketing team uh, have greater clarity, move faster and get back to the craft of marketing versus uh, uh, the busy work of status updates. Awesome. I will drop for anybody the Asana job board and the free trial, whatever in the, in the show notes. So anybody who's looking to optimize their marketing and have more efficient marketing, go use Asana today. And also like the cool marketers that are listening to this podcast right now, go apply to Asana because Dave is looking for the next, le- next level people who are learning, like the people who are learning on this podcast today. Well, so thank you so much, Dave, for joining and Thanks for your insights. And this was a great conversation. So fun to chat with you, Daniel. Thanks.